0: So I started building a first MVP first as a web app with the email notifications and stuff. But then notice quickly that some users have actually issues logging into such a tool. So it, it needed to be closer to the user actually. So I put it into Slack. Suddenly people could request access without logging in it was already there managers could approve it there admins could get the most important information out of it and so I found my co-founder later later on and we decided to join forces I'm Matthias Nestler. I'm CTO and co-founder at AccessAll
1: This is code story a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart. And today, how Matthias Nestle created the easiest and most efficient way for you to provide SaaS access for your team. All this and more on Code Story. Matthias Nessler has co-founded several startups in his career in the insured tech and fintech spaces. Outside of tech, he does kite surfing and diving. He claims that the calmness under the water is the best way to unwind from tech life. His favorite place he's dived before is in Thailand, where he observed his first seahorse. He often takes the train to Switzerland to see a significant other, and they like to cook at home together. Coming from a regulated industry, Mateus wanted to build something to help him keep track and document who has access to what systems, which is a huge time sink and security risk. One day, he had one of his fellow CTOs ask him if he knew of a tool that could do this very thing. And he started thinking, maybe I should just build it. This is the creation story of Access Owl.
0: Access All automates employee SaaS account provisioning and permissioning for every single tool. And why did I actually start with that? Because I mean, well, I was coming from a regulated industry, so I knew how critical it is to know who has access to what. And myself being the CTO, I needed to build these kind of internal processes. So things like you need to have a manager approval, you need to have a documentation of who has access to what and everything. And at the same time, you need to fulfill this kind of access. So you need to create these user accounts with the right permission, along with, well, then together with building up the documentation about that, especially when somebody leaves, you will need that because you, re- you need to revoke all that given access. It's a huge time sink. And at the same time, it's also a security risk. So I, want, I wanted to, to build something that, that solves my own problem in the end. And then actually after someone asked in CTO Slack, there was somebody basically asking whether there is a tool that can do things like that. So help with requesting access, help with creating user accounts. I was actually thinking maybe I should just build that. I mean, there are some enterprise tools that can do that, but nothing that fits really the needs of an early startup for different reasons. Either it's too expensive or it's just not easy to set up. So I basically started a quick survey to ask around just to get, let's say, an external confirmation, whether that's really just my pain or is is there even more. Yeah, I noticed quickly that there is something and it could actually make sense to build that out. And so I started building a first MVP, first as a web app with the email notifications and stuff. But then noticed quickly that some users have actually issues logging into such a tool. So it it needed to be closer to the user actually. So I put it into Slack. Suddenly people could request access without logging in. It was already there. Managers could approve it there. Admins could get the most important information out of it. And yeah, well, at some point in time, I noticed that I can't do that alone. I wanted to do it, like, my first idea was actually to, to do it as the pet project, let's say, um, but I wasn't thinking that big enough. And quickly, I noticed, yeah, I, I just need somebody else. You can't work alone on that. You, you need to have somebody who has other skills need to have somebody who you can discuss things with so i found my co-founder later later on and we decided to join forces
1: let's dive into the mvp then so tell me about that first product you built maybe it's the you know the dropping into slack or before that or after that wherever you want to start calling it the mvp how long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life
0: that's a great question actually because I, i love that phase so at the very beginning, I, I used basically a tool called Balsamic Mockups to sketch out the first click dummies, let's say. And I had some first design customers for my for my survey, and I showed them what I did there and I got their first feedback. And so I iterated from there to something where I thought, okay, makes sense now to start coding. And I heard good things about Alexia and Phoenix, so I decided basically to use that. It's such an amazing technology, I never saw such developer experience before to be very honest so it reminds me a little bit about the early days of ruby on rails where people could build products very quickly and uh, Alexia with phoenix it feels like ruby on rails on steroids actually so that's that's an amazing technology to build something very quickly and i think i started mid of 2021 building the first code base basically and yeah, I deployed it to to a hoster called Fly.io because that is one of the hosters for Alexia application, and Alexia feels just like at home there, basically. And every week, I showed them my to my design customers what I had and what I built and discussed further their pains and feedback. So that helped a lot to yeah to really sketch out the next steps. And I work closely with the feedback. Always kept in mind, basically providing them with, with regular value and solving really problems step by step. So I'm not a big fan of having like Big Bang releases or something. So you really want to continuously provide value.
1: From that point, you've got your MVP and it's working how have you progressed and matured the product and to wrap that in a box a little bit what i'm looking for is how you built your roadmap and how you went about deciding okay this is the next most important thing to build or to address with xsl
0: i would say i mean we don't have a fixed roadmap instead we listen closely to what our customers and potential customers are telling us And whenever we hear things more often, we start writing it down. And then we refine the idea further so that it fits basically our product vision, because usually customers don't exactly know what they want. So you need to condense properly out of what you heard and shape it properly to a feature. Sometimes you don't solve a full problem at once for a customer, but very often you can make like baby steps in between and already solve a big chunk of of customer's problem. And in in my previous company, actually, we called that the skateboard mindset. So you build something small, you build like small but valuable iterations. And you you start with a skateboard and over a scooter and a bike towards a sports car. But you don't start with, okay, you build the sports car from the beginning, but you really make baby steps. So everything is optimized for for speed and, and getting feedback quickly. That's basically the idea of that, and that helps a lot. So I love like iteration uh, like iterating over a problem towards a solution because often you learn new things in between, and these things like can change how the ultimate solution could look like. yeah, maybe the last thing I can add is a uh, product wise we we got inspired by the shape up method so. Instead of thinking how much time do I need for this, you ask basically how much value can I provide with that in X weeks. So can be actually two weeks. And then you start thinking differently about the problem and how you can shape it to something that that can provide value already. Although it's it's a pretty small step.
1: Okay, so then let's switch to team. How did you build your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you?
0: The, the most important point is actually you need to give people a purpose and a great mission, basically. So people want to, want to really have an impact in their life and they need to identify with, with that. And that's a cool thing about startups. So you can you can really give them this this thing, you can give them that problem, that mission to solve, and we're looking for this kind of people. At the same time, we we often heard that like using Elixir as a programming language might be not the best choice because yeah, for some people that sounded very exotic. And they asked, actually, why not using a common programming language like, I don't know, Java, or Kotlin or whatever, because, you know, more people are coding in that language. And yeah, I mean, while this might be true, I believe Elixir is an amazing language and ecosystem because it focuses on the developer experiences a lot. And actually the creator of Elixir, he put a lot of effort on that. So... Everything is fast, documentation is just stellar, and developers really love coding with that. So it's it's a pure joy. And that's actually a pretty pretty good argument. So we found good people from the Elixir community itself, people who want to code in pleasant functional programming language. And that, that definitely helped us to, to find good people. But of course, it's just a toolbox. So in the end, we want people that are pragmatic enough to build something without following the rabbit hole of building, it in the most elegant and perfect way. I really believe perfection in startups, uh, that's that's something that does not work well together. And I always say, like, love's a problem, not the solution. So you need to optimize for pace. You don't want to just build the nicest solution, but you need to fix a problem for the customer. And so you need to understand the problem as good as possible. And you need to have people that saw several applications in production and just know how to tackle several problems because you don't have time for de- technical experiments. So you, you have enough to do with making a product people want. That, that challenge is big enough. Maybe the last point I can add is you want people that have the right grit. So they need to like taking responsibility and really to push things forward. But I think I really believe there are people who like to accept this kind of challenge and really want to grow because it's really a grow opportunity.
1: Okay, let's flip to scalability then. So was this built to scale efficiently from day one or have you been fighting this as you grow in any capacity?
0: There are for sure some things that, that won't scale properly, but that's fine because first you need to come to that point actually. I always follow the credo, make it work, make it right, make it fast. And the last part actually comes pretty late. So I enjoy that we have a monolith in the at the moment instead of having many microservices that makes so many things much easier and you can really focus on building a product for for your customer and not focus on some strange technical problems. I mean, also for startups, you always have the problem that you have a clock ticking basically against you. So you have limited time to find your product market fit. So speed is the thing you really need to optimize for and not scalability. I would say many startups will rebuild their application anyway at some point. So the data structure might change because you haven't thought about this or that use case. So focus on speed and focus on making changes quickly is, in my opinion, very important.
1: Well, Matthias, as you step out on the balcony, and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: Yeah, I mean we are a small team, and we are we are actually able to shape and mature the product very quickly, and and, and sometimes uh, surprised how how quickly we can deliver things. So I'm really proud of my team being able to do that. So that's that's definitely one big big chunk of that. But also I'm I'm grateful for finding a great co-founder that I really like to work with. So I did actually kind of matching, let's say. So I was looking for, for a co-founder and I had several criteria and I interviewed I think five people and I really had a great overlap of values with, with Philip. So really happy that I found him. I mean, also I'm happy that we we got really cool customers like like Zeppelin or Swapfeed. So it's amazing when you really see that you build something that, that solves a huge pain for somebody. So I'm, I'm really proud. In the end, I, I just want to want to build something people are using and that really solves the pain in the end. I think that's, that's very important for me.
1: Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: Yeah, maybe one mistake. It took us a while actually to figure it out. Uh, we noticed that sometimes our application was pretty slow but we couldn't really say what the reason was. So the traffic looked fine. Logs were okay. Response times just went up from time to time. Uh, it was really strange. We, we couldn't really figure that out. It took us some, some time. And actually I was uh, contacting the founder of our hosting provider fly.io. And at some point he got really mad at me, I believe, because I was basically blaming him for, for his infrastructure and it must be something with his infrastructure turned out it was a logging library of our log provider that didn't send the data in an asynchronous, asynchronous way, but synchronous way. So that means basically whenever their API was slow, our API w- was slow too. And our application was slow too. It was, uh, was really embarrassing actually. But after we removed that, everything was fine and good. But yeah, that was an annoying mistake.
1: Okay, this will be fun, Matthias. What does the future look like for your product and for the team?
0: Uh, Well, product-wise, I think focusing more on product-led growth so that organizations can onboard easier and quicker. I mean, we are building a product for startups and smaller companies. So you you don't often have an IT manager yet. Maybe you just have uh, somebody from HR and these people are not very technical sometimes. So you need to do... And you need to build things as easy as possible. So I think that is definitely something we need to we need to build. Uh, besides just building more integrations and making them more robust and stuff. I mean that's that's clear. And team-wise, I hope I, we can stay as long as possible small. I like working with smaller teams a lot. You have like you know less overhead. It's much more fun. And I believe when you have the right people, you can achieve a lot. So I really hope that we don't grow too much. I mean, you know, there are several startups, they grow quickly from, I don't know, 10 to 100 people, and I really don't want to have that.
1: Matthias, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? You know, name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why.
0: Yeah, I believe that is uh, for sure David Heinemeyer Hansen. I really believe he had a huge impact on our world. I mean, he built the the famous framework Ruby on Rails, and that is really easy to use. And by doing that, he enabled many other startups to build products. So I think his impact on the world is just incredible. And he was actually often the first mover in, in, in doing things. So for instance, before remote work was cool due to the pandemic. This company 37 signals was doing that pretty successfully and yeah back in the days people were saying yeah remote work is not not possible and you need to meet every every few weeks and yeah suddenly you you notice now it's it's working and it's common nowadays that you just work from home actually access Owl as a remote only company and and it works great i mean for sure we we meet like every few few months but we don't need to sit next to each other to to work effectively and having fun at the same time so yeah i think he he he's just he's a cool person who makes you think let's say so he's doing things differently than others and i mean while i don't agree with everything he's doing uh, it inspires me to question the status quo more often and i think that's important
1: we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? It didn't have to be a mistake. It could be something that worked out even really well, but what would, would you tweak something maybe?
0: You know, I always feel I should have founded a company around the very own problem or idea way earlier. So I always loved building things, but in the early days, I was not really thinking big enough to really making a company out of it. There were some great problems to solve, but I was hesitant to follow following them till the end, basically. And I believe that's a typical engineering or engineer's problem. So engineers are creative minds. They don't like, they like to solve problems, but often it's only for their own purposes. And there are so many other problems to solve. So they they might proceed to the next one. So I know many engineers that have many pet projects and yeah, I believe some of them are just amazing, but you need to focus on them. Engineers tend to build one thing maybe and then proceed quickly to the next problem. But I think you should instead focus on one thing, really try to solve it for many people and build really something that people want, thinking it through from many different angles. Talk to many or like talk to potential customers maybe creating a survey and just to find out whether there's more value to create for the world in the end and whether that solves the pain. So I think I would definitely do that differently, like focus more on, on problems I, I experience myself and try to build out a solution of that.
1: Well, it will be interesting if you, uh, if you have similar advice here for this next question, but I'm going to ask it like I didn't just hear what you said and see if you have anything different to say. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
0: I guess the next big thing must be a uh, chat GPT, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Something built on top of it, yeah. I'm sure.
0: So I think, I mean, what, whatever, whatever that person is doing, uh, I can, I can assure you it, it won't be easy. So you just need to trust yourself that you will figure it out and you will find a solution because sometimes you feel intimidated by people and startups around you. Everyone is raising the next big round and building the next big thing, you know, but at some point you notice everybody here puts his pants on the same way as you so just have trust in your team trust in yourself you will figure it out
1: that's great advice well Mateus, thank you for being on the show today thank you for telling the creation story of Axis owl
0: you're very welcome it was a pleasure being here thank you
1: and this concludes another chapter of Coat story